We thank you for many blessings. Thank you for sending your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, down from heaven's glory to die on that cruel cross for our sins. Pray, Lord, that you would help us to never um, take that for granted, never to abuse the liberty that we have in Christ Jesus, but, Lord, always to search out thy will and to try to live your will in all our ways. In Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. You may turn to Revelation chapter 2. Uh, This is, I think, the 11th um, sermon in this series in Revelation. We're just studying um, segments that are longer than, uh, well, that are a whole sermon. And so we're going to be in Revelation 2.9, might back it up to 2.8. And unto the angel of the church in Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich... And I know the blasphemy of them that say that they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. So he said, I know thy works in tribulation and poverty. That's what we're going to hone in on tonight. Title of my message is, The Prosperity Gospel Ignores Scripture. God knows what you're going to go through in life. He mentions the poverty of believers who were living right, they were doing right, and yet today's message many times by false preaching basically gives a gospel message that are pumped in all the homes around the world and teaches a prosperity gospel contrary to the Scripture. Christ was not born in a palace. He could have been if God wanted Him to be, but He was born in a manger used to feed animals. He was not born into a family of great wealth, but he was born to a carpenter in a carpenter's home. Not only was he born with humble beginnings, but he experienced life without while he was walking on this earth. If you'll turn to Matthew chapter 8, verse 20. Matthew chapter 8, verse 20. We'll look at a couple of the things about um, riches and poverty. And uh, listen, if, if you're not well off, you might be more blessed than somebody that is rich. If you don't use your riches for the glory of God, then you'd be better to be like, we're going to show a couple of examples in here. He told those who desired to follow Him that He had no home. Matthew 8, verse 20, Jesus saith unto him, The foxes have holes, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man hath not where to lay His head. He was basically homeless, and yet He was the Son of God. We're to be Christ-like. doesn't mean we all have to be homeless, but it it does mean that if you see somebody that is without, or somebody that is suffering and they're living as a Christian, and they're doing right, don't judge them and look at them and say, oh, you must be like Job. You must have done something wrong for this judgment to come upon you. That's not necessarily true. Turn to Luke chapter 8. The women in the Bible example that we're going to look at ministered to Jesus with their substance. Luke 8, verse 3. And Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna and many others which ministered unto him of their substance. That's what you should look at concerning finances and money. You minister to people with your substance, the things that you have. 
John chapter 6 verse 9 talks about a lad which had five barley loaves and two small fishes. And what did he do? He took his meal and he gave it to Jesus. Why did Jesus have to get food from somebody else? Because he wasn't walking around with a tractor trailer load of food to feed all those people that were out there. The disciples said, hey, send them away. You know, what, is, what are these fishes and a couple of loaves of bread? What, are, what is that amongst so many? They forgot who Jesus was or they didn't recognize who Jesus is. He can take what you've got and multiply it. But you don't have to send it to somebody on television. You don't have to give it to this church here to be blessed. Now, should you give? Yes. Should you help others? Yes. But you can't look at God and say, uh, you know, if I do this, you better do this. And basically, that's what's going on. It is terrible, the abuse that's going on in the name of Christ, especially as it has to do with money. Matthew chapter 17, if you would turn there. Jesus even used a fish to get a piece of money to pay tribute to the governing bodies. Why didn't he just take it out of the purse? Well, first of all, uh, the purse was being held by Judas Iscariot. Uh, That's a bad situation. But he's trying to prove a point that, look, number one, you know, you need to have a good testimony. And number two, God can take care of anything. Matthew 17, 27, Notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea, cast in hook, and take up the fish that first cometh up. You think it was a big fish or a small fish? I'll bet it was a small fish. You know why? He's, he, he's pulling that thing up and he's going up. You know, he just automatically throws it away. Why? It's a small fish. He says, take the first one that comes up. You don't have to have a big fish with a big pot of money in it. He needed one coin to pay what he needed to pay. And he says, and when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. That take. Give unto them for me and thee. I'm paying your taxes, Peter. I'm taking care of you, Peter. And that's what he did. So he took care of the whole thing. Can God take care of you and take care of me? He can send a fish our way with a piece of money in it. You say, well, he's not going to do that. Maybe not. But I'll tell you what, he can. That's the point. The point is, God can do anything. The problem is we don't trust Him with what we have. We don't trust Him with our all in all. And we must do that. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 4. So those examples reveal that God uses others to meet the temporal needs of the Lord because He had nothing of His own. Can you imagine... uh, Can you imagine Jesus showing up at the Vatican today? And I use the Vatican because it's a very pristine example. Can you imagine him walking into the Vatican and looking around and, and looking at the way that, that, that these religious leaders dress and how they expect people to kiss their ring and bow down to them and they've got these statues and you bow down to the statue and, and you wear these, you know, St. Christopher medal. Listen, I'm just telling you what some of the things are. Listen, that's not Christianity. That's not God. It's man-made. So he walks in and he sees all this stuff. And you could take one painting and probably feed a thousand people. One painting. One statue of David. You could feed the multitudes for a long time. But what do you have in Rome? What do you have in Italy? You've got a lot of poor people. 
Can you, you know, Italy ought to be the richest nation in the world, but I'll tell you who is. It's the Vatican City. They have their own nation within, within the country. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Jesus said, you can go, I don't have anywhere to lay my head. Now, I'm just telling you right now, I am not real good at that. I, I went out camping with a, with a youth up in Knoxville. And, uh, you know, I, I needed a CPAP, didn't have one the first night. And I, and I was in the, the pastor's uh, uh, tent, and he had put the tent up before I got there, and I was the speaker. I did not sleep a wink that night. I, feel, I said, man, I feel like I'm sleeping on a rock. Well, I was there when they took the tent down. And there was a rock. <laughs> literally. Literally. Now, the second night... They, got a, they, got, they bought these batteries for me, the CPAP, you know, because I was going to die. They brought the CPAP up, and I went and got this cushion out of my uh, trailer at the time, and I drug it up the mountain, and, and uh, man, I was, I was not going to have night two. But boy, when they took that thing down, I don't know who it was, I think, what was it, the, there's a song, or is it, it's a verse, you know, my, 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 the rock's my pillow. Are you crazy? So I'm just telling you, I'll sleep out in the wood. No, I won't anymore. Excuse me. I had the motor home for a reason, you know. I had the trailer for a reason. I want to sleep in my own bed, my own pillow, my own blankets. Okay? That's just the way, it, you know. And, and listen, there's nothing wrong with that. He doesn't expect you to be a pauper. He doesn't expect you to, to, to just give everything away. In fact, there's just the opposite. The Bible says that if you lay up not for your children, you're worse than an infidel. You're supposed to lay up. You don't just give it away. You don't say, well, I'm just going to give it all away. Now, if your children are bad, go ahead. I don't know. Just kidding. You'd probably still be sinning. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul expressed the same sentiments about himself. 1 Corinthians 4.11, he said, Even unto this present hour we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place. Now, if I was on television, can you imagine them preaching that verse on television? They're not going to preach that verse on television because it contradicts everything they teach. It, it, it contradicts uh, their prosperity gospel. Oh, just name it, claim it. You control God. You don't control God with your prayers. You pray, and at the end of your prayer, you ought to say every single time, not my will, but thine be done, if it be thy will. You say, well, I'm, I'm praying for somebody to get healed. I pray for Debbie, and I, I pray, and I say, Lord, let thy will be done. Well, wait a minute. Why don't you just claim it? You can just claim and say, Debbie doesn't have cancer. You can't do that. That is what they're doing as though it manipulates God. It is an unrealistic view of what the Bible teaches. And so what we do here is we stand against that. We're not going to allow that. We're not going to say, hey, we're going to claim these things. Listen, you, you need to be honest. If you have a problem, you know why God made doctors? Take care of problems. Now what should you do? Pray, trust God, have faith, go to the doctor. If you need to go to the doctor. The, the worst one speaking here, I, you know... I got a doctor's appointment tomorrow for no earthly reason whatsoever other than it's the VA and I hadn't been for six months. So I'll go to the doctor. Why? It's close by. It was fast last time I went. So hopefully if they keep that 
up, I'll be all right. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. The Bible says that Christ was rich but became poor for the sake of others so that they, through His poverty, might be rich. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, For we know that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, you think He, you think he had a lot of gold? You think that's what it's talking about? Now, now you know, he has, he has the cattle on a thousand hills. I mean, that's pretty rich. But that's not what this richness is. He is blessed with all spiritual blessings. He is the God of the universe. He's rich. He owns everything. He created everything. He's pretty rich just to own one galaxy. He owns them all. He sa- but it says, yet for your sakes, he became poor. Now, how did he become poor? Oh, he was born in a manger. No, he became poor when he became human. That's what was poor. So if you really want to know what poor is, look in the mirror. You're poor. Just kidding. That ye through his poverty might be rich. It doesn't say become rich. It says be rich. You and I are rich through the poverty of Jesus Christ, through the fact that He left heaven's glory, left it all, came down to earth, and died on that cross for us. That statement contrasts physical poverty with spiritual riches. We don't give to get rich. We give because God has given to us. We don't give to get a blessing. Can blessings come from giving? Sure they can. But you you, you're, you got to check your motive all the time. We give because we are blessed. These actions reflect grace giving and grace getting. We should strive to do for others what Christ did for us. Paul wrote in Hebrews, if you look at Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10. Paul wrote in Hebrews that these people lost everything but knew that they had something far better in view in the future. Hebrews 10 verse 34. For ye had compassion on me and my bonds, and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing in yourselves that ye have in heaven a better and an enduring substance. In heaven. You know what your Bible says? You are, you are building upon a foundation. That foundation is Jesus Christ. Wood, hay, and stubble. Gold, silver, and precious stones. Jewels. The things that people treasure on this earth, you can be building that upon the foundation that's Jesus Christ for all eternity. That's your substance in heaven. The Bible says laying a good foundation against the time to come. You see, men insure their houses, their cars, um, their health, and most everything else, and then they neglect the spiritual insurance, salvation, security. The Christian's life is not supposed to focus on the things that you and I own. It's not supposed to. It frequently does. Look at Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. And he's concluding here in verse 15. Luke 12, 15. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. So why do you need to beware of covetousness? Because it's rampant. 
For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things which he possesseth. It's not what you got that matters. Nobody has gone to heaven or gone to the graveyard even with a hearse and a U-Haul. You've heard that said before, right? No U-Haul. You don't get to take it with you. Oh, I'm going to be buried with my you know, Rolex watch. And by the way, it's not a Rolex. I'm just using this as an example. I'm going to be buried with my Rolex. Well, guess what? You better be careful. You don't let a lot of people know that today. They'll be digging you up. They got, you know, you're some superstar and they go, yep, you know, it's on television. Uh, I don't even know, E! News, E! Television, whatever that's called. And they, and they put you on there and they go, oh, so-and-so, he was buried with his Rolex. And there'd be people looking for that grave. I promise you. Just keep your mouth shut. You're enduring substance in, in heaven, not down here. Look at James chapter 2. James 2 is pretty interesting. Verse 5. Hearken, my beloved brethren. Hath not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which He hath promised to them that love Him? Heirs of the kingdom. He's chosen the poor of this world, but rich in faith. What's the, what is What do you and I need to be? We need to be rich in faith. Without faith it's impossible to please God. They that cometh to Him must believe that He is. Without faith it's impossible to please God. Just get that. It's faith that's important. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6. Why do people fall prey to these charlatans on television because they're looking to get rich. They're looking to benefit through Christianity and some of them are in great need. In fact, the ones that probably give the most are those that you know have a, a physical ailment, a loved one that needs healing or something like that and they just put that money down because he says, if you, if you plant that seed, the bigger the seed, the bigger the blessing. Now you got cancer, you better put a thousand in. And then it will give you ten times, a hundred times. You'll have a hundred thousand dollars. Well, who doesn't want a hundred thousand dollars? But they're lying to you. First Timothy 6, 6. You know what the Bible says? But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. Are you content with food and raiment? You say, well, yeah, I'd like to have a house. Are you content with the bare necessities? doesn't mean God can't bless you more. Are you content that God cares about you? He gives you food. He gives you raiment. And that ought to be where our contentment lies. And it doesn't lie in uh, material goods. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. And into many foolish and hurtful lusts which draw men into destruction and perdition. I'll tell you this, the people I see on television, the people that I watch today, the little clips that were on one of these videos, you know what I saw? A bunch of rich people. You know what the Bible says? 
Those rich people fall into temptation and snare. The more they lie, the bigger the lie gets, and the bigger the lie gets, and the bigger the lie gets. And they have their conscience seared. They get a jet, and then they go, oh, I need a bigger jet. Oh, I need more than one jet. Now, I'm here to tell you, you gave me one jet, I'd be fine. I'm fine with no jet. I'm fine with not flying first class. It's pretty nice when I get bumped up. But it's a bumping and not a paying, I can, I can guarantee you that. They fall into foolish and hurtful lust, which drown men in destruction and perdition. Verse 10, for the love of money, not money, the love of money, is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Oh, if I just had more money, you'd be sorry. That's what the Bible says right there. For the love of money, if you covet after it, you'll err from the faith, you'll, be, you'll, you'll pierce yourself with many sorrows. You say, oh, it won't be me, I'm different. No, you're not. No, I'm not. Colossians 3.5 says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Covetousness means you treat that thing as though it's your God. Covetousness, which is idolatry. Look at Matthew chapter 6. You all know the verse. Matthew 6.19 The problem is there are many people that are being lied to and duped. And it's disheartening. It's disheartening to, to watch what I watch today. And I, I watched this guy doing a special on it. And he was doing these clips about it and, and what they were saying. And I mean, some of it was just out and out heresy. But I, I was looking for the money part. You know, what were they, how were they dealing with the money? And it was, you know, send in your seed, send in your seed and, and, and God will bless you. Well, wait a minute. Send me your seed. Send your seed out to all the people in need then. You send them a letter and you ask them for the seed planting. You know what you'll get? Crickets. Why? They don't believe what they preach. And if they got all this power, go out and empty a hospital room. A hospital floor. A whole hospital. I, I, I saw one of them, I, I forget who he was, maybe it was Tilton or somebody... He, he said, yeah, he, he looked out the window and he saw this tornado coming. It, it was coming, it was coming. He said, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. And the, and the tornado just went over their house. Can a tornado go over a house? Yeah. But I'm here to tell you, if he can, if he can control weather, come on, move down to Florida. We need you down here. Just, you know, send it all, send every one of them back out in the ocean. Why would any of them need to come here? If you've got somebody on this earth that control the weather like that? Now, should you pray? Sure. Should you praise God? Whenever it, I mean, we've had two turn this year. I know I was looking saying, man, we don't have that roof on. Lord, I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. We get hit head on. At least that's what I thought, especially with as many leaks as we had anyway. I didn't know we had any leaks, but you know there was rotten wood under there. I guess it was fixed late each time or something. I don't know. But I was thinking, man, Lord, we don't need that hurricane to hit. And you know, then it turns toward Jacksonville. I go, yeah, look at what I did, everybody. <laughs> you want your hurricane turn? You just call me. 
I'll give you a new weather report. Listen, God can do anything He wants to do. Did He turn it because of Faith Independent Baptist Church? He could have. But I'm not going to name and claim that. You better not either. I don't want the judgment of God falling on us. Matthew 6, verse 19. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. You know what? Somebody cannot steal your heavenly rewards. But they can steal anything you got on this earth. It's just the way it is. Christ does not promise that believers will avoid suffering, but tells us not to fear when they have to suffer. Look at Hebrews 11. This this one, I I would love to hear a televangelist preach this this verse right here. Talking about Hebrews 11, the the, uh, chapter, the hall of faith, they call it. Hebrews 11, verse 36, we'll start there. He's talking about these believers in the Old Testament, and he says of them in verse 36, And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Oh, God just wants you to be healthy, wealthy, and happy. Really? Do you know what Saul did when he found Christians? He drew them before the judgment seats. Saul was wrong. Saul was lost. Saul got saved. And then he bragged about it. He didn't brag about it. He used it as an argument with God that he needs to be the one reaching the Jews. But trial of cruel mockings and scourging, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. Were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute. You know what destitute is, don't you? It isn't what they're preaching on television. These are believers. They were destitute. You don't have to be destitute to be blessed of God, but I will tell you this do you know what happens most of the time in Christianity? When things get tough, the faith gets going. If you don't have your faith tried, you don't have to trust. If you can trust your bank account, you don't need to trust God. Now, I'm not saying nobody does. I'm just telling you that is reality. So what do you do? Empty your bank account? No, you don't do that. Give it all away? No, you don't have to do that. You just got to make sure your motive's right. You got to make sure your heart's right. You got to make sure that whatever you're doing is for the glory of God, and that all revolves around your motive. He goes on, he says, afflicted and tormented. Look at verse 38. Parenthetical thought. Of whom the world was not worthy. (laughs) Of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and in caves of the earth. And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. The promise of the coming Messiah. They didn't receive that promise. We've received that promise. But yet they lived right. They didn't look at their their physical situation and say, we're blessed because we got money. We're blessed because we have things. We're blessed. No. 
You want to go somewhere? You go to the Philippines. You see people that have nothing. And boy, they'll preach you to death. You'll preach for hours and they'll want more. In America, we got air conditioning, we got, we got padded pews, we got you know, the ability to be comfortable the whole time. We're like, man, let's get in and get out. I don't worry about it here because I realize I got you four times a week. It's like I was preaching longer when I first got here and I'm like, you know what, I probably just need to go ahead and get it down to a smaller chunk, save a little chunk for the next time. Because I study... See, I don't just come in here and go, you know, I'm, gonna, I, I'm just going to preach what I... I have, I have whole books of the Bible I could preach without studying for one second. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. I could go through a bunch of books. Not for one second would I have to put any study in. And you know how blessed that would be? Well, not blessed of God. I wouldn't be blessed. I'd have more time. But who needs more time? You know what I need? I need saturation with the Word of God every single day. I need that saturation. And guess what I want? That's what I want. 1 Timothy chapter 6 again. God wants Christians to live balanced lives. He does not condemn the rich. I remember I met some rich people that were not saved and they said, well, you know... Basically, well, we got to give everything away. If you want to be rich, give it all away. You know, the rich man in, in, in the Gospels. I said, well, you're reading it wrong. It was he was trusting in his riches. If you're trusting in the riches, get rid of it all if you're not going to trust in Christ. And if getting rid of it all makes you trust in God, get rid of it all so you'll trust in the right thing. But if you're rich and not trusting in the riches, you're fine. You're fine. So long as you're doing what the Bible says. And here's what it's going to say. In 1 Timothy 6, 17, Charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded. People get a little cocky when they get a little money. Look at it. Nor trust in uncertain riches. What should you trust in? The living God. Who giveth us richly all things to enjoy. Now watch that. So let's say you got a boat. You're a Christian. You have a boat. I ain't going to own no boat. I've heard. It's like a horse. We owned a horse, and the best day was when we got rid of the horse, even though it wasn't my horse. It was just nice that we didn't, I didn't have to... You know, I'm just... I don't like money going... You know, the best day is when you get... Now, you can have a, you can have a fishing boat. I'm talking about the boat over here in the corner. I'm talking about the money pit. I'm talking about the airplane. Uh, well, there's just, it just hiccup for a second... <laughs> as they're laughing at you. <laughs> Just a second, right? That'll be $2,000, $5,000. He gives us all things to enjoy. Let's say you got a boat. You know why you have the boat? If you're right with God? To enjoy it. What if you got a set of golf clubs? Now, I don't know how you can enjoy those. Just kidding. <laughs> I had some I bought on a golfing outing one time and Never used them again, and they rusted. And I was thinking I could clean them up and sell them, and I went, are you kidding me? In the dumpster when we moved down here. You know how much I need a pair of golf clubs, as much as I need a hole in the head? I don't have time to play golf. Nothing wrong with golf, nothing wrong with fishing, nothing wrong with hunting, nothing wrong with it. You know what, you know what hunting is about? Taking a gun, going out and shoot Bambi or whatever. You, there, was a, there was a rabbit out here. 
We did not shoot it. I did not think about it. It was a black, somebody's rabbit. It started to come to me. I was, I was, I was from here to the pulpit, away from it like this, and it started to hop over to me. I, but then I was like, oh, I remember that white rabbit we had. Ugh. Once they get a taste of outside on the ground, they do not want to be in the cage. I know. Because they lift up their leg and spray or they bite you when you put your hand in there and you put them up. I'm like, I'm not going to have another rabbit. But if you have, listen, God gives us all, if you go hunting, God gives you all things to enjoy. Fishing, no problem. But if fishing becomes your God, hunting becomes your God, golf becomes your God, Shopping becomes your God. I had to throw the ladies in there in case some of the ladies shop. My wife doesn't shop. I have to go make her shop, meaning clothes-wise. She'll go out there and buy that food some, you know, when she's able to. I've even tried to eliminate that. Well, I have eliminated it while she's hurt, while she's recovering. Hi, Judy. Hope you're watching. I'm in trouble. Proverbs chapter 30, if you would turn there. Oh, wait, wait, before you leave, verse 18. Here's what he said. He gives us richly all things to enjoy. Verse 18, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute. What's that mean? Yeah. Willing to communicate. Same thing. Laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. Now, Proverbs chapter 30. We should learn to treasure heavenly things. Some people have their bank in heaven, while others have their heaven in their earthly bank. That is terrible. It's not wrong to be rich again. The warning is not to allow riches to control your heart, control your life. Likewise, it's not wrong to be poor, nor is being poor a badge of honor. There are people that are poor who say, well, I'm poor, you know, I'm, I'm more godly than you. The writer of Proverbs really gives us some great insights in verse 8 of Proverbs 30. He writes, he says, Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee, and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. He says, Don't make me rich or poor. Because if I'm rich, I fall into some temptation. If I'm poor, I fall into another temptation. He's saying, don't don't give me either one. The so-called prosperity, we're going to hone in on them right now. Gospel teachers have emphasized material entitlements so much that the teaching has overshadowed the gospel of Christ. The many titles of this prosperity gospel include name it, claim it. The blab it and grab it. I don't know who used that, I just saw it online. The health and wealth gospel, you've heard of that. The positive confession theology. The teaching proclaims that we can speak things into existence and our words create our own realities. For instance, I do not have cancer when you have cancer. Now what happens? Well, I don't don't need treatments. If you had enough faith, you wouldn't go get treatments. Because name it, claim it says you gotta, you got to have the faith enough not to go to the doctor. They're killing people. So why am I upset? Because they're killing people. Yes. 
Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9 again. And I'll give it to you. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that ye through His poverty might be rich. See, so they look at that and go, well, He wants you to be rich. But the false teachers, they've turned the God-man relationship into a quid pro quo transaction. Controlled by man, of course. Quid Quid pro quo, you, you remember that, don't you, on the government, you know, all that stuff, Ukraine, quid pro quo. They convey a false teaching that God owes you if you plant a seed. The point of the passage in this one teaches that believers should empty themselves of their riches in service for the Savior. Five verses later, look at verse 14. God urges believers to share their riches with those in need. Verse 14, But by an equality that now at this time your abundance may be a supply for their want, that their abundance also may be a supply for your want, that there be an equality. He just says, listen, if somebody has a need, take care of it. And somebody else has a need, take care of it. By the, you know, then you have some equality there. Now, I'm not socialist. If a man will not work, Neither should he eat. So, well, boy, you'll never get elected. All I do is quote the Scripture. It's not my opinion. It's God's opinion. And guess what? It's not an opinion. It's God's demand. If a man will not, doesn't say he cannot, doesn't say he's invalid, doesn't say he's, you know, uh, he, he can't work, I mean, that he won't work. It does say he won't work. It doesn't say he can't work. Look at 3 John. 3 John. So the false teaching televangelist turns the truth upside down by claiming the blessings come from sending them your money. This false gospel teaches that God wants believers to be physically healthy, financially prosperous, and personally happy. They skew the truth so much that it is unrecognizable. For instance... They treat this standard greeting that I'm getting ready to read you. And you could read verse 1. Look at 3 John 1 and read it. It's a letter to Gaius, right? Verse 1. And it has a didactic statement teaching... It doesn't have a... They treat it as a didactic statement teaching doctrine. But this is not a doctrinal statement in verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. They teach that as a doctrine. You know what it is? It's just like writing somebody and saying, Dear so-and-so, I wish you well. It says right there, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper. All he's writing is a letter to somebody. He says, I wish you well. I wish you'd prosper. I wish your health was right. Just like your soul prospereth. It's not a doctrine. But they they make this whole thing into a doctrine. Let me close on this. The teachers of the prosperity gospel encourage their followers to pray for and even demand to flourish materially. That false teaching is built upon faulty motives and emboldens ever more heretical teachings. And individual selfish, shallow, superficial prayers will never manipulate God into doing your bidding. He ignores prayers outside the will of God. 
If the prosperity gospel is accurate, grace is obsolete, God is irrelevant, man is the measure of everything. Say, well, you're preaching against a lot of stuff out there. Glory, hallelujah. Because 42 years ago when I got saved, I was led to the Lord by a charismatic. His family was intrinsic in it and they had meetings in their homes and The only thing that got me out of that was the fact that Richard Mallon, who's been here, he went to a meeting with me, and I told you this, he, he, the woman got up and started teaching, he shut his Bible, and he walked out the door. I said, Richard, where are you going, man? You, you embarrassed me. And he showed me the Scripture. I went, wow. I never went back. Never went back. And then I, started, then I came here, and I started learning my Bible. Why are we a Bible teaching church? Because what happened to me can happen to you, can happen to anybody else, and we need to be a light in a very dark world helping people out of the Doug Stoffers of the world. Imagine, 42 years ago, I'm on a path. Hey, I'm saved. Hey, I'm reading my New American Standard every day. They told me it was the Bible. They told me it was the best one. I said, give me a leather one. I paid 50 bucks for that thing. By the way, I still have it. Somebody will want $55 for it one day. Pay $55. Just kidding. You just saw a hole in the wall up there. Oh, my. may just have to have him touch up up here. But here I was like this. And then all of a sudden... I, I, uh, I met Eddie Mills, and he got me to come here. I started learning my Bible, and my whole life went like this. Why in the road? If I'd have kept going, where would I be today? Probably be on television doing that stuff. Or maybe it just would have taken me 10 years more, or two decades more, three decades more. Or maybe just now I'd be getting right with God and His Bible. Boy, that'd be a shame to know that I'd wasted all those years. God got hold of me within months of being saved and showed me the truth. Doesn't always happen that way. One last thing. If you want to sow some seeds, I wrote this down today, go to the local nursery and buy some. Not the television charlatan. These schemes prosper most among biblically superficial people and those in desperate need. Do you know there have been proven facts that they would find out when the Social Security checks were being released and that's when they would do their greatest appeal on television? Why? Because there's people out there that don't feel good. They want help. That's elder abuse. It is inexcusable spiritual abuse by the jet-setting multimillionaires who prey on the most vulnerable in society. Sowing and reaping is a biblical principle, but not one to be used to manipulate and take advantage of the vulnerability of others. I appreciate this church because I can get up and just preach the truth. I appreciate this church because 
I don't think there's anybody in here that would disagree with most anything I said because it's all scriptural. Is it a popular teaching today? Nope. You won't have me in 99%, I was going to say 90%, I don't know, 90 to 99% of the churches around here would not, if they knew what I was going to preach, would not allow me to set foot in their pulpit. That is not a badge of honor. It's just a reality of fact. And guess what? Don't need it anyway. Now you know me, I reach out. In fact, I've been invited to a the local ministerial society, ministerial, whatever they call it. And I'm going to go to a meeting. We never would do that in the past, but I'm going to go to it. i got to go to one. So I'll go to one. I'll figure, and listen, I went to a Catholic church. Now, I didn't take, I didn't take Mass, but I, I, had a, I had a friend of mine that got saved. His wife never got saved. As far as I know, even to this day, she's not saved. She said, you know, if you just go to Mass with me. I was like, I'm going to be like you? Because she was pretty mean. And uh, if you just go to Mass with me. You know what I did? I went to Mass. The highlight was afterwards. You know, when they turned that red light at the donut shop and it says hot, fresh donuts. Right after Mass, for some reason, that light comes on. We stopped by and got some hot, fresh donuts. I wish I was speaking facetiously completely, but I'm not. I finally quit standing up and sitting down and standing up and sitting down. I was getting tired. It was a good workout. It was a good workout. I just didn't see God in it. I knew that in advance. But I've been to a Catholic church. I've been to Mass. I could understand the priest and his homily, and he wasn't speaking in Latin like they used to, because then it was even more mysterious. It's got to be of God if you can't understand it. I mean, isn't that what they say? You can't understand the Bible. You need the priest to tell you what the Bible says. I'm here to tell you, I gave you a lot of Bible, and I don't think that I lost anybody in this church. Truth is truth. And if you don't study to show yourself to prove unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, needeth not to be ashamed. There'll be a lot of shamed people in heaven because they're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ and never have cracked the book of their, their Bible during the week. You ought to be reading your Bible as often as you can. I hope you read it every day. I hope you read it every day. I hope you study it. Don't just come and get spoon-fed. Go home. I mean, listen, if you have questions, figure out the questions. I get questions from all over the world. Yours will be a blessing too. Let's all stand together. Let's pray. Lord, we do thank you for many blessings. God, lead and direct in all things. Lord, we just need to search our hearts and know what you would have us to know. Lord, thank you for truth. You are such a wonderful God and, and these truths that we can learn, they are so rich because they free us from manipulation. I just pray that more and more people will be less and less manipulated. In Jesus' name and for His sake, amen. With your head bowed and eyes closed.